just a moment, you'll need your Bibles open to the book of Psalms, the 119th Psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible. And uh, I'll be reading beginning in verse 105. Uh, we're going to be thinking, as I've mentioned earlier, about God's Word, because this is a chapter in the Bible that is about the Bible. And uh, I've made a note in the bulletin announcements uh, in your printed bulletin about some reading you can do this summer if you want to get more serious about Bible reading and Bible study and kind of what the Bible is all about, overarching theme, or if you want to take the approach of how to be a more transformed disciple by taking in Scripture. Uh, so take note of that uh, reading list. Two of the three books are in our church library. And before I read uh, this morning's Scripture, I'd like for us to bow for prayer. Would you take a moment and just bow with me as we sort of take a breath and center and focus on the living presence of God? We come before you, great God, thanking you for your love that is endless, your love that is fierce and persistent, for mercy that you've shown us and forgiving our sins. We do come acknowledging our sins and our brokenness before you, the need for cleansing, the, the need daily and weekly for renewal. We pray that in the power and the blood of Jesus Christ we might experience that fresh washing and that renewal. We pray that by the power of the Spirit you might deliver us from hatred of those who are not like us. Deliver us from suspicion and cynicism. Deliver us from the false gods of security and comfort. The false god of having to have our own way and having to have the last word. We pray today for broken lives in our community and all around the world. Those who are spiritually broken those who are emotionally and physically broken, those who are grieving. We ask today that you bless those who are living in hunger and homeless without resources. Help us and teach us daily to see people as Jesus saw people, loving the least of these around us. Today we faithfully pray for those in the armed forces, the women and men who serve and defend our freedoms. We are thankful for them. We pray for the leaders of our nation, the leaders of all nations, as we work for peace and that wars might end. We ask God that you bless our youth today as they make their way home, keep them safe, refresh them, and make tonight's worship a rich, rich experience that will speak to all of us. And now as we would look at your word, we pray that you would lead us daily to know you more deeply to know your will more clearly, to understand what you are calling us toward day by day, and that we would not only know about those things, but we might be empowered by your Spirit and through your Word to live differently and to live better. So we open our minds, we open our hearts, we pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. I invite you to stand, if you're able, as I read from God's Word, Psalm 119, beginning in verse 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your righteous ordinances. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your Word. 
Accept my offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your decrees are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Beautiful words. God's word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our paths. You know, we live in a very well-lit world, don't we? A lot of artificial light around all the time. In fact, critics would say that there's too much artificial light. Uh, they speak of uh, light, light pollution. That is to say that there's so much artificial light around that we don't experience the glory of the stars and the heavens and that we miss so much because we're always around artificial light. But have you ever, I guess, when's the last time you were away from all artificial light and really in the dark? Uh, maybe out camping somewhere or maybe lost in the woods. And it was so dark that you could not see your hand in front of your face. I mean, that's dark. The ancient Hebrews lived in a world without artificial light, and when they were away from the fire, they were away from the light, and they began to understand what the psalmist was saying when he said, Your word is a lamp to my feet. Your word, God, shows me where I am, and a light to my path. Your word, God, is so powerful that it can guide me into right living and right choices. Your word is a lamp to my feet. I can see near and a light to my path. I can see far. And notice also the implication about progression and movement. That as I step obediently, more light shines. If I continue to trust and to step obediently, more light shines, piercing the darkness. But if I stop walking, if I stop obeying, the light stops piercing the darkness. It's that idea of obedience. And there is much in this psalm, especially in this section, about the psalmist, about us, deciding by an act of the will to, to be obedient to God and to keep stepping and trusting His Word to pierce the darkness and show us the way. Now, one of the problems we have in our lack of discipline when it comes to Bible reading, is the same problem we have in our lack of discipline in the Christian journey of obedience, is that we are tyrannized by our feelings. Uh, we, instead of making a choice of the will to say, I will read my Bible, I will listen to God's Word, instead of choosing to say, I will obey God, even though this doesn't make sense, or even though I don't feel like it, instead of obeying as an act of the will, we're tyrannized by our emotions. You know, I stopped a long time ago as a pastor, a long time ago, I stopped asking new Christians, how do you feel? You know, I, I had this habit when somebody first received Christ into her heart to say, how do you feel? 
Or when someone was newly baptized, how do you feel? Or new in the Christian journey, checking up on them, how do you feel? You know what that teaches, don't you? That the Christian life is about feelings and emotions. And that if I don't feel like obeying God, if I don't feel like receiving guidance and, and promises and strength from Scripture, then I don't have to do it. We can be tyrannized by our feeling. There's a story about a, a young teenage boy who had his first experience of puppy love, and he was just so overwhelmed. His dad asked him, he said, well, son, what, what, what are you thinking? And, and the boy said, I, I just have this inward inexpressibility of an outward all-overishness. And the dad said, what? He said, I just have this inward inexpressibility of this outward all-overishness. And, by the way, the dating relationship didn't last. Because it was built on feelings. This, this gushy, gooey, yeah, feelings. And, you know, we're, we're, we're so emotional as Christians. Now, emotions play a part in the Christian journey. Don't get me wrong. As the intellect does. But Augustine, the great church teacher of the 5th century, even back then said, we're better at feeling than we are thinking. We're better at feeling than we are thinking. And he was talking about that business of letting our emotions overwhelm us. And to contrast that, the 106th verse, the verse right after that famous one, the psalmist says, I have sworn an oath and confirmed it, I will obey your righteous ordinances. He's saying, I made a commitment, a decision of my will. It was volitional. It was an act of will, not a response to an emotion, not even just an intellectual cold thought. Uh, there are Bible scholars who believe that this was a public ceremony that the psalmist was talking about, sort of like our profession of faith or baptism, that there was some kind of public ceremony where this man had said, this psalmist had said, I have made a public oath that as an act of the will, I'm going to obey your word. And there is, there is uh, every evidence that he was talking about a very serious commitment. In fact, the message translates this, I've committed myself and I'll never turn back. So that we are not overwhelmed by emotions and just do what we feel like doing. You know, our church uh, is in the midst of this setting sail, implementing our, our vision that we believe God's dream has planted in our hearts. And a big piece of that that you kept hearing about is life-changing faith. And at the heart of that is spiritual transformation, spiritual formation to say that we of all ages will make a commitment to continue to be encountered by the Word of God, to continue to engage Scripture in a way that will change us to where we experience Scripture's beauty, Scripture's power, and Scripture's capacity to change our behavior and to change our choices that we are going to be on a continual journey of transformation as we experience Scripture and the Christ of Scripture. I read of uh, a man who said, uh, after years of following Christ, I've changed my prayer. He said, I no longer pray, God, open your word to me. He said, I've started praying, Lord, open me to your word. It's a business of opening my heart to God's truth. 
And there's an interesting phrase that's used in the last verse that I read, verse 112. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever. And I looked up that Hebrew word for incline my heart or incline. And it means literally to lean in to hear. It means to bend over to listen to. He's saying I'm doing some intentional choosing to listen to God's word. Do you ever lean in to hear something? You're intentionally listening for something. Maybe you're at a crowded restaurant, and as you walk by a table, you hear some juicy gossip. And you bend down and pretend like you're picking up a napkin because you want to hear the rest of this. You're intentionally leaning in. Or maybe you're walking by, a, a, you know, at some strip mall. Uh, you're walking by some merchant's shop, and uh, he has the, the Cardinals or the Royals baseball game on, and, and you sort of slow down and lean in because you want to hear. The psalmist says, I'm very intentional about leaning in and listening to what God has to say. And I want to make this message this morning as practical as possible, and I want to encourage us about the importance of leaning in and listening. So I want to make a couple of suggestions. And here's the first suggestion for us to experience Scripture and rediscover God's Word in a way that will shape us and change us. Here's the first one. Make time. Make time. Make time for reading and studying Scripture. Now, it's not my intention to send us on a guilt trip, but have you noticed that we all have time to do what we want to do? Get on Facebook, email friends, polish our toenails. Men, you know about that, right? You know, we all find time to do what we want to do. And today there, there are more resources for Bible reading and Bible study and the devotional reading of Scripture than ever before. Online, you can read it, you can have it dropped in your inbox. You can, if you're not someone who enjoys reading, you can get the Bible audio, you can, you can get pamphlets, you can get translations, you can get all kinds of resources. They are just everywhere. And I want to challenge us to take 15 or 20 minutes every day to read God's Word. And I want to make a prediction that if you will take 15 or 20 minutes every day, and if you miss a day, no, no guilt trip, just get back to it. 15 or 20 minutes every day, between four and six weeks, you will begin to develop that habit so that if you do miss it, you will feel like something's not right, like you forgot to brush your teeth. You will feel like something's missing, and I want to get back to it. To not be tyrannized by emotions and what I feel like, but the discipline of every day to spend time in God's Word. Here's the second word of challenge or encouragement, and that is, as I said to the children, to read Scripture as God's love letter. If you read it as a set of rules, there'll be no joy. If you read it just to find material for the argument you're having with some friend, that doesn't count. 
You don't read it like computer code. You know, if I just punch this in, then I think this will happen in my life. And for heaven's sake, you don't read it like Russian roulette, where you sort of spin the Bible verses, you close your eyes and put your finger down and say, I should do that. Believe me, there are people who do that. And some of you have been in my office. But to read God's word as a love letter, because it is. And you, you know how I know that? Because in John's gospel, when John wants to introduce Jesus Christ, he says God loves us so much that God sent Jesus, only he doesn't call him Jesus. God loves us so much that he sent his word, capital W, Jesus is God's word. And so what happens is that when we read scripture, we see that God loves us so much. He created us. And even though we break his heart and rebel and, and forget him and try to live without him and try to build our world neglecting him, he keeps loving us and keeps coming after us. He loves us so much he sent Jesus to die for our sins. And then Jesus was raised from the dead for us. And that if we'll trust him and receive Jesus Christ into our lives, he will plant his spirit within us and he'll help us grow and change and make different and better choices. God loves you so much. And there is this love letter here where God wants to show you so much about his love. If you will listen, if you'll read the mail, if you'll open it and let God love you. And I want to say that the Bible makes better food than it does medicine. You understand what I'm saying with that? Yeah, you can go to the Bible when you're in a crisis. But guess what? If your world falls apart tomorrow and you're not acquainted with Scripture... You can't automatically go to the Bible and have somebody insert a disc and download 20 years worth of Bible knowledge all at once. The Bible makes better food than it does medicine. A continual nourishment, a continual feeding on God's Word is much healthier, is much more preventive, it's much more joyful, and it's much more comforting. And it gives more light if we have continued to become acquainted with God's word over the long haul as opposed to waiting for an emergency. I've told some of you about uh, one of our family vacations several years ago in North Carolina. Uh, it was vacation from down under. Everything went wrong. You ever had those? Um, we had rented this house in western North Carolina up in the mountains. Beautiful setting. But the narrow road getting to it was sometimes gravel and sometimes dirt. It was all single lane. It was continual switchbacks and hairpin curves. It was very, very steep to where an automatic transmission could hardly make it up the hill. Uh, and there were steep drop-offs at certain points of turns where you could look down a deep, deep valley and cavern. Very steep. And it was hard enough to negotiate getting up to the, to the house uh, in sunshine. But one day we had gone into town. 
And as we came back, this, the hardest rain I have ever driven in, the heavens just opened. And there was, on top of that, fog. And with windshields on, windshield wipers on high and with lights on and fog lights on, I could not see in front of me. And I had a carload of family. And I can't remember when I have been so afraid. I was so afraid I didn't know the road well enough. We were going to go off the side. And bless his heart, our son Joel designated himself. And he got out in that pouring rain. He took the largest flashlight we had. And he walked the road. And he put the flashlight back here as he walked. So we could see as we literally inched our way making the turns, avoiding the cliffs, and that light guided us. And as you can see, we didn't die. I lived. And I want to say, with the psalmist, tough times will come. You know, in verse 107, the psalmist says, I am severely afflicted, yet your word is there for me. Then in verse 110, he says, The wicked have laid a trap for me, yet I trust in your word. Let me tell you, tough times are going to come in your life. The cliffs, the storms, the narrow road, not being able to see what you need to do next, enemies, illness, bad surprises, tough times will come. But God's word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Amen? Let's pray. God, open our hearts to the moving of your Spirit. Teach us daily obedience, and may that begin in this place, in this time of worship.